Hey everyone, and welcome to the Anacrusic Podcast, and welcome to 2019. It's our first episode of the brand new year, so today on tap, I'm going to share my New Year's resolutions with you, and in particular, I'm going to share my five goals for the new year. You're listening to the Anacrusic Podcast with Anne Molesky, the music teacher and curriculum designer behind Anacrusic.com. This podcast is all about making your music teacher life more purposeful, sequential, and joyful, so you can take a breath and love each and every moment you spend making music with kids. So grab a cup of coffee and kick up your feet, because it's time for another episode. Okay, guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you about my five goals for the new year. And I hope that as I talk about these, they sort of turn or morph or transform into goals that you might have for yourself as well. Because these are things that I've really been thinking about in my music teacher life. And there's something that's really, really special to me about January. I know that everyone says that you can start anytime. You don't have to wait for a Monday or a new month or a new year. And I think all of that's true. I mean, today is January 2nd as I'm recording this and it's coming out January 3rd and I wasn't planning to have a podcast episode on January 3rd. So you get a fun little bonus. However, I think that there is something really, really special about the start of the year, at least for me, because it's a new time to sit down. You get a fresh planner, you get brand new notebooks, new flare pens, and you start to really think about some of the things that you want to do, you want to accomplish, and want to be in the new year. And I think the more we can do that type of self-reflection, the better teacher we become and the better people we become. So yes, if you are listening to this, and it is not January 2nd, January 3rd, rather, of 2019, or in January, the whole month of 2019, or not a Monday, these are still things that you can implement or think about, you know, as you go through your music teacher life. Now, there are just some things that are like personal resolutions that I'm not going to share with you. I mean, I could tell you how, even though my daughter is 17 months old, I am planning to lose the baby weight finally, (laughs) maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, Um, and how I really want to read an hour every day because I want to read at least a book a week. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, I'm always sharing over on Instagram. But today we are going to talk more about music teacher identity and things that can help you feel more excited, more complete, more enthusiastic and motivated about what you're doing in your classroom and what you're doing as a musician. And I've said it once and I'll say it probably a million more times that that last piece is important, that being a musician piece is really important because as I've said before, we became music teachers if you're anything like me and you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, not necessarily because we wanted to be teachers first, but we discovered that since we loved music and we were musicians, that the best way to bring that joy to the world is through the gift of music, particularly to children. So a lot of these goals, a lot of these resolutions, a lot of these ideas have to do with with 
sort of preserving our identity, preserving our spirit as music teachers and as people. So I'm hoping that this will be really, really short and sweet. And I know I always say that and then it turns into like a 45 to an hour minute episode, not hour minute, just an hour episode. But for real, I'm going to make this super quick because I know you have kiddos coming into your classroom and it's a busy time of year and you just want to get into your routine. But think about these five things and think about how they can apply to your teacher life and think about how you can draw these inspirations to your life on a larger scale and just what it means to be intentional with each and everything that you do. So without further ado, let's hop into number one. And as I go through this list of five things, you'll see as it usually goes (laughs) that they're all very much related. So the very first goal that I have for the new year is to stop worrying about being perfect. And I am a struggling perfectionist. I probably always will be a struggling perfectionist. I have been since I was just a little kid. And you know, I'm the type of person where even if I'm just writing out a grocery list, I have to get a clean sheet of paper out and start over if my handwriting is too sloppy. You know, I love getting clean notebooks. I have probably 20 notebooks in my home office and only half of them are used. But I need to get that fresh notebook if I'm getting um, ideas for like a new project or a new purpose and it needs to be organized this way or that way or the other, right? It's a little bit of just that I want everything to be really streamlined type of feeling. And a lot of that carries over into my teaching. And for a long time, I thought, and I still think to myself, okay, if it's not on my plan, I can't do that. But I'm really, really trying to practice what I preach and this idea that your classroom is your laboratory. And if you try new little things at a time and you stop thinking about the product and think more about the process and what your kids are getting from whatever experience you're giving them, then you are definitely doing the work. You are definitely accomplishing your goal. And so by getting over this quote unquote idea of perfection, um, we really start to reach our students as we should. We really start to become the teacher musicians that we are. And instead of trying to live up to the way that this person does it or the way that that person does it and what we think is the way it should be, we really start to live the way that we are, whether that's in our personal life or in our classroom. And instead of thinking about this ideal, um, stereotypical way of teaching and being, we can just be and go through a process with our students. And this has a lot to do, um, in my mind, with this idea of pedagogical approaches, right? Like we've talked all about this in season two. Um, We've kind of wrapped up with a lot of different interviews and ideas about different styles of teaching. And you've heard me say before how the Kodai approach is not a method, it is an approach. It's an inspiration. That's why you hear Kodai-inspired teaching. That's why you hear ORF-inspired teaching, all of those types of things. Because we're drawing inspiration from these ideas rather than saying this is the rigid method by which we can teach the things, right? We just want to find inspiration to create a process instead of this perfect product. Okay, we are not McDonald's. We do not have to make like perfect little cheeseburgers that look the same as they do on the commercials, although we all know that's not like the case. But anyway, um, you know, we're not trying to do something uniform in a factory. We're trying to create this beautiful thing that our students engage with and 
within the imperfections, we find the most beauty. And that goes for what our students do, that goes for what we do as well. Um, And I had an art teacher friend who always told her kids, you know, when they made a mistake, don't just throw something away, right? If you make a mistake on the piece of paper, if your grocery list isn't as neat as you wanted it to be, it still serves that purpose. And so if you have this beautiful artwork, it can really turn into, or you have this artwork you don't think is beautiful, it can turn into the most beautiful artwork you've ever seen if you just kind of keep working with it, right? That process is so important. So that's number one. Number two goes right along with it. Try something new every day. Now, (laughs) this goes along with letting go of that perfectionism because if you can't get out of that box, if you can't get outside of that perfectionism mindset, there's no way you're going to try something new. So the first one has to come first. Imagine that, a sequence. I know you'd never expect a sequence from me ever in a million years, right? But this is really true. If you're trying to switch things up, if you're trying to change the way that you're teaching and spice things up so that you don't feel bored, it doesn't have to be some huge revolutionary, completely, totally 180 from anything you've ever done before. I remember when I was taking my ORF levels and um, some of my colleagues in my level one asked our movement teacher, they said, you know, how do I, how do I even start? And she very wisely said, you just take one thing and you put it into what you're already doing. Because what you're already doing is working. You're bringing music to children each and every day. And that that's our goal, right? I, I hope that that is your overarching goal as a music teacher, to bring the love of music and the understanding and the experience of music to kids each and every day. So if you're trying to improve your practice and you're trying to um, change things up both for you and for your kiddos, then trying just one thing new every day will make that happen. So maybe it means that you're doing a different greeting song for that one fifth grade class. Or maybe you try adding instruments to a game that um, with that one class who you know can handle it, right? But you're still just doing something small each and every day because all of those small actions, all of those small um, step outside of the box kinds of things will build upon each other and then you'll start feeling more confident to get into bigger things, okay? Um. I am reading a book right now called Atomic Habits, and I will link it in the show notes. And it talks about this idea of habit stacking. And when you want to just kind of start something new, you just break it down to its smallest components. You break it down to like two minutes a day. And I think we can do the same thing as music teachers, where if we want to try something or we want to change the way that we're teaching, we can break it down to the simplest component. We're good at that, right? We're good at creating this spiral spiral curriculum, good at doing this compounding teaching, the sequential approach. So why don't we do that for ourselves? Why don't we break it down to the smallest component and then gradually build upon it until we feel comfortable making bigger leaps as we go? The third thing goes along with that whole idea of building habits and breaking things down and all that kind of stuff um, indirectly, and I'll explain in just a moment. But number three, my third goal for the new year is to hone my own musicianship. So if you know my story, and if you don't, there's a podcast episode. I'll link to it down below. Um, I got into music from a very young age. But as a pianist and as a trumpet player, I wanted to be a trumpet player in a professional orchestra. And I've always loved to just sit down and sing and play the piano. And I have a dulcimer from when I went through my Kodai levels that I can play if I 
kind of refreshed my brain, but not super well. And I have a ukulele that a year ago I could play three chords on. (laughs) And I have a guitar that my husband, my sweet husband, got me for Christmas like four years ago. And my brother restrung for me two years ago. And my dad just tuned it for me. And I still don't know how to play it. You know, I've maybe played one chord my whole life on that guitar. Isn't that so embarrassing? And, you know, there's all of these things that I have because I got them because I had the hope that it would inspire me to do more musicking myself. Because I'm a little ashamed to say that my trumpet skills have gone by the wayside. I haven't played seriously for a couple of years. Um... And I haven't kept up my piano chops the way that I'd like to. You know, I was (laughs) with my parents over the holidays and I busted out my Clementi Sonatina book. So if you're um, a pianist or you took piano lessons when you were younger, you're probably familiar with those Sonatinas. Um, And I sat down and I could still read them pretty well. But it was a mess. Like, I would never want to perform for anybody, like, in real life. But it was just my parents and my husband, so it was fine. But my dad said to me, he's like, you know, it really wouldn't be too hard for you to work those up if you just did a little bit every day. Which echoes back to the whole Atomic Habits book that I was talking about earlier. Like, if I just took five minutes a day and just practiced some things, I could probably get my piano skills up a little bit more. And you know what? When I actually sit down to do it... I really love playing piano. Like it really, really fills me up. Because remember, as I said earlier, I became a music teacher because I'm a musician first. And if I am not keeping that joy alive, if I'm not nourishing that part of me, then something's lost. And I'm ashamed to say that You know, this really should have been goal number one (laughs) now that I'm talking about it. But I'm really ashamed to say that I've let some of those things go. And I want to spend more time honing my skills as a pianist. I would love to accompany or maybe play in church every now and then. I would really love to finally learn to play the stinking guitar that's been sitting in my house. And my family's tried to reach out and encourage me to do it. I would love to, you know, finally sit down with Shelly's pitch publications ukulele curriculum and get through and learning some ukulele things. I'll link that below if you're not familiar with it. But like, I just need to do the thing. I need to take that time for myself. I need to turn off the latest Netflix binge when I'm tired at the end of the night and kind of refresh myself through some of these things that have filled me up since I was a little kid. And so I really think that by doing that, I would find myself just more joyful in my life period, to be honest with you. Um, Not that I'm miserable, but you know, we're always trying to find those bright spots. Um, But I would also find myself more joyful as a teacher because then I could go and I could play more for my kids. That's something I'm not doing enough. I'm using the piano when I need it and to do warm ups and things like that with my youth chorus, but not in a way that necessarily inspires joy. So that's number three, but I really almost feel like it should have been number one. (laughs) So goal number four is to reach out and make a new music teacher friend. And we talked about this before. Like, it's very, very isolating to be a music teacher. You're usually the only person on your campus, and maybe you get opportunities to collaborate with others in your music teacher community, but a lot of times um, there aren't that many people close by that you can see on a regular basis. So social media and, you know, online presences and all that kind of stuff have made things like that a little bit easier. And, you know, I'm happy to say that I've actually made a lot of music teacher friends through Instagram, which seems super random, but is really and truly the truth. Um, 
And also there's been a lot of great engagement inside of the Facebook group. But I think there's something to be said for reaching out and making a friend that you could have coffee with in real life. So maybe it's somebody in your district. Maybe it's somebody at your state conference. Maybe it's somebody at the Kodai conference if you're going in March. But kind of step out and get out of your comfort zone and make a new friend. And I think that this applies whether you're a brand new teacher, if you're in like your first three years of teaching, or you feel like you're you're kind of in it and you've been teaching for at least a few years and you identify with like your ORF buddies or your Kodai buddies or like your um, music school buddies from your college days or graduate school. But I think it's okay and I think it's important to make friends that are outside of those groups. So even if you feel like you have a good circle, there's always something to be gained by reaching out to somebody new. There's always something to be gained both for you and for them to develop a relationship where you can share ideas and share experiences that might be different from your own, but also might be very similar to your own. And a lot of times, even if they are different, you can learn a lot about your own situation from somebody who has a different situation, right? So I think that that is going to be one of my big goals for this year. I really hope it is for you as well. So goal number five is a big one. And this is really, really hard for me. My fifth goal for the new year is to say no. (laughs) And that sounds really crazy, but it's a huge goal of mine to say no. I was reading a book by Tim Ferriss called, um, it's not Tribe of Mentors. I can't remember it off the top of my head. That's going to drive me nuts, but I will link it in the show notes. It's by Tim Ferriss. And he has a podcast where he talks to lots of people who have sort of um, mastered their physical health or um, like life or like business and all this kind of stuff. And he did an interview on his podcast. And in this book, he kind of consolidates it to the most, the biggest takeaways, essentially. And in one of them, and it's awful, I can't remember who it was, it's the founder of CD Baby, and I, for the life of me, cannot remember his name, but I will link to his website down below too, so you can go check it out. I'll Google it as soon as I'm done with this. Um, He said in his interview that the best way for him to control his schedule is to actually control his schedule. So for a lot of us, we have a lot of commitments. We have our families, we have our kiddos, we have our work, we have things that we like to do that we need to do to fill up our own cup before we go and help others, right? Which is an important thing to do and should probably be number six on this goal list for the new year. But we really are in control of our schedules. And this is something that's hard for me because I'm a perfectionist and I'm a people pleaser to my core. And if somebody asks me to do something, I almost always say yes, (laughs) as long as it's aligned with my values and isn't like something really, really crazy that would put me in danger, I'm probably going to say yes. But I've learned over the last couple of years that there's a lot of things that I could do And just because I can do them doesn't mean I should do them. Just because I'm capable of it doesn't mean it's necessarily the right time or place for me to be doing it. And I also find that in my gut, when I'm asked or an opportunity is being given, okay, whether it's an opportunity you expected or you're excited about or not, when an opportunity is given, I usually have a pretty good feeling in my gut about whether it's something that I want to do or something it's not really what I want to do. And so for this year, I'll say no. And what 
was said in that book that I referenced, and it was Derek Sivers, I remember now. <laughs> what he said was that if it's not a heck yes, it's a no. He used different language, but he said, if it's not a heck yes, it's a no. And that's how he keeps a tight rein on his schedule. And like I said, you know in your gut whether it's a heck yes or not. And if it's not a heck yes, it's a no. Now, there is some some give and take here, right? Because obviously if you're at work and there's an event that you have to do or a concert expectation that is there, that's just part of what we do, right? That's part of who we are as music teachers. That's part of working on a team and working in a community and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the extra things. I'm talking about baking cookies for the party if it's something that you hate doing or um, doing the extra performance that the PTA would really, really like you to do, but you know that like four kids are going to show up and it's not going to be a quality experience. So all of these things that just don't fill you up, all of these things that really just stress you out and don't enrich your life and don't enrich your student's life first and foremost, those are the things that we can feel in our gut and we know it's not going to be the best. It's not going to do justice to our mission as music teachers, it's okay to say no. And it's okay to only save yourself and only save your energy and your expertise and your excitement and your knowledge for those things that completely fill you up. And so that is probably my biggest goal for the year, to be really and truly honest with you is just to really focus on what's important, to focus on creating resources for teachers and doing workshops and spending time with my youth chorus kids and giving them the best experience that I can and to spend time with my husband and our daughter and to really make sure that we're present parents and present for each other as husband and wife and all of those things and to really be intentional about what I'm doing each and every day to make this year, the best year that I could possibly have. So those are my five things, and I'll recap them really quickly just in case you missed any of them. So the first was to stop worrying about being perfect. The second was to try something new every day. The third is to hone my own musicianship. The fourth is to reach out and make a new music teacher friend. And the fifth is to say no. If you guys have any resolutions that you have that you think are kind of like this or totally different or just something that you want to share, I would love for you to reach out and send me a note. Find me on Instagram or go ahead and hop inside of the Facebook community and let us know what's going on. I hope that you guys have an absolutely amazing 2019. Thanks for listening to the Anna Krusik Podcast. For more details and information from this episode, check out the show notes on anacrusic.com. While you're there, join the Top Insiders community on Facebook, where you can collaborate with Anne and other music educators. Also, if you found this episode entertaining or informative, don't forget to share with your music besties and leave a review on iTunes. The Anacrusic Podcast is a proud member of the Music Teacher Development Podcast Network. The Muted Network provides support in the form of audio-on-demand programming designed by and for music educators. You can find more information about our network at mutedpodcasts.com.